you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. I'll be taking our Bible reading for today. At the end of the reading, I will end by saying this is the word of the Lord. Please respond by saying thanks be to God. John 6, 22-35, 41-51 The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus answered to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling amongst yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sends me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the, for the life of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, 
Thank you for joining us, for tuning in this morning from wherever in the world you're watching us from. It's always a joy to be able to gather together as God's people on a day like this, even in difficult times like this. And so we're starting a new series called I Am. Um, bam, just like that, I Am. And you're asking, I Am what? Well, you know, in our normal everyday conversations, we use those two words to give people a sense of who we are, to invite them in to actually understand what we stand for and what we represent. So there's a, there's a word that people commonly use now that we all use for someone who is wealthy or a little bit boxed up. We say OBO, and OBO stands for Omo Babaolowo, the progeny, the son, the daughter of a wealthy person. So everybody, you know, like even students that they just gave pocket money and they are squandering it, they call them OB or Mababalo. But imagine if David Adeleke, a.k.a. Davido, says, I am OBO, which he has actually done, actually. That word takes on a whole new meaning because we know something of what Davido represents. We know something of his lineage. We know how rich his, his parents are. But we also know what he has accomplished in his own right. So we know that he's a very noted musician with several um, sponsorship deals by very lucrative companies. We know that he has 30 billion in his account. I don't know whether it's Naira or dollars, but it's there somewhere. And we know that he just bought a very luxurious car for his girlfriend. And some of you might know that when that thing came out, guys were just putting their hands on their head like, yay, the video has changed the game. I can't give my girlfriend flowers again for her birthday. And so when Davido says, I am OBO, it takes on a whole new meaning because we know what he represents. And you know, in the book of John, there are seven, there are about seven times when Jesus Christ says, I am this, I am that. And he gives us a sneak peek, a picture into what he actually represents, who he actually is. And by doing that, Jesus is inviting us to get a sense of his person, to get a sense of his work, to wonder, to linger, to raise our mouths in awe and worship. And so we are going to spend the next few weeks going through these I am sayings. Um, and I mentioned that there are about seven of them. We've done two of them previously. So in 2017, um, we, when we just started the church, we did a sermon series on the book of John, and we treated two of those I am saying. So in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in John 15, Jesus describes himself as the true vine. And so we've looked at those before, and so we're not going to look back at those. But if you want to listen to them, which I encourage you to, or maybe even listen to the entire series, the link is below, and you can click on it. If you're a mixler as well, um, I'm sure there will be a way that the link will be sent to you, or you can just reach out via the phone number um, to just receive the link. And so these next few weeks, we're looking at four of, of the remaining five in four sermons. And so in John 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 8, Jesus describes himself as the light of the world. In John 10, Jesus describes himself as the gate and as the good shepherd. And in John 11, he says he is the resurrection and the life. And we're going to look at all these I am sayings to give us a sense of who Jesus is, so that we can linger, so that we can worship him, so that we can actually follow him more effectively. All right, so that's the game plan. And so Aleri has very helpfully read to us the long text that we have this morning. And so without much ado, I'll just pray, and then we can dive right in. 
Lord Jesus, you are the bread of life, and that's what we've come to contemplate this morning. So we ask that you please help us to see clearly, help us to understand this well, and help us to follow you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In your name we pray. Amen. So today's sermon is very creatively titled, I am the bread of life, the bread of life, just from the passage. And we see two movements in this scene. You see, the book of John is divided, is like a play that is divided or like a sitcom. No, not a sitcom, it's not a sitcom. It's not an action film either. You get idea is need. It's, it's like a drama, yes, it's like a drama that is divided into different scenes. And this passage is one of the scenes in the book of John. And we see two movements in this scene. We see one, substitute bread requested. And two, we see living bread presented. And so those are my two points. Substitute bread requested and living bread presented. And so we start in verses 25 to 34 with the first one, substitute bread requested. And so our text opens up with Jesus having an unplanned press conference. In fact, that's what the entirety of this passage is about. Jesus is having a press conference that tells us about him, but really also about ourselves. It shows us ourselves also. And so this press conference is happening because in verses 1 to 14, Jesus has just performed an outstanding miracle. Many of us have heard of the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus does this basically with a tin of sardine and bread, and agege bread. Basically, that's what the five loaves and two fish are. And it's like recession has hit the tin of sardine because it's not, you know, normally your tin of sardine will be like four small pieces or three small pieces. But this one is actually like two. And Jesus does still an outstanding miracle. And so you can imagine the scene. Everybody goes wild. Everybody goes berserk. Like, my God, this is insane. And there are even leftovers. And you can imagine the scene right now is like, what happens in a political rally at Teslim Balogun Stadium when the politicians have just shared bags of rice and salt and gari and money and everybody just scrambling on top of themselves like this is amazing. Now, as people are scrambling for these things, what does Jesus do? He doesn't climb onto the podium to actually announce his candidacy for the presidential elections or for the governorship or senatorial elections. Jesus just disappears. No sirens, no convoy. He just stands up and leaves. And so these people, like, you can understand why somebody has just done this outstanding miracle and they are looking for Jesus. In fact, it takes quite some effort. If you read verses 22 to 25, we are told that they actually have to rent boats or get boats from other people so that they can find Jesus. They're looking all over the place for him. They can't find him. And then they come to verse 25 and they tell Jesus, like, we've been looking for you. But how does Jesus respond? In verse 26, he says, the reason they are looking for him is not because they saw the miracles, but because they ate and were filled. I might be wondering, eh, isn't the miracle the eating and the feeling? But you see, it's massively important here that we understand what Jesus is saying here. In fact, the word John uses all through this book to describe the miracles of Jesus is the word signs. And another thing in the book of John we find is that there are also about seven signs in the book of John, all pointing, and John uses these words to point to 
something about Jesus. They're like signposts or signboards that tell us something about who Jesus is. And so what Jesus is saying here is that these people are looking for him not because of who he is, but because of what he offered them. The five loaves of bread and two fish multiplied on a large scale. And he goes on in verse 27 to say, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Jesus says, rather than spend all their energy looking for substitute bread, they should work for the living bread that only God can give. Or see, this doesn't make any sense to these guys because they've just eaten this bread in verses 1 to 14. And it should have had a significant impact on their livelihood because at that time, bread was as essential to them the way rice and tomatoes and pepper are essential to us. It was like their staple food. And so imagine somebody who could actually save you that amount of money that you spend a year or 10 years on bread and just be giving you free bread. Ah, almost. They are thinking, we want this guy. We want this guy. We need this guy. Imagine the economic freedom that they will have had, the things that they will have encountered, the, the, the freedoms that they will have had on their hands. And so these people are coming to Jesus for this. But Jesus shows that if we are coming to him simply because of what he can do for us or what he can give to us, friends, we are looking for substitute bread. In fact, what Jesus is doing here, he's simply just re-echoing the words of the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 2.13, where he says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Jesus is saying that, don't just come to me for what I can give. Come to me because of who I am. But these people, they, like, they can't hear. They, they, don't, they don't even want to hear. They don't want to hear that only God can give this bread because what's the next thing that comes to their mouth? In verse 28, we are told, eh, okay, we shouldn't work for, the, for this bread. Abby. Okay, we should work for another kind of bread. Okay, so then verse 28, they said, then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And so they are stuck on the work parts. They're asking what they can do. But notice, it is not so much, it is, it is what they can do to get more from Jesus, more bread from Jesus. And you'll have thought that this time, Jesus will be getting frustrated. Like these people, they, they, they are driving me insane. They don't get it. They don't get it. But Jesus is patient with them. I know like many of us, even in our failings, Jesus is patient with us. And he says to them in verse 29, he says, the only thing that you can do is believe. The only thing that you can do is believe. But they still don't get it because in verses 30 to 31, it says, okay, since we can't do anything for you, what can you do for us? Which is a strange question because this person just did these many miracles. But they are still asking, what can you do for us? And you can tell that this press conference is not going well. Like Jesus is seated on his table. They are seated here. And like everything is just, there's a weird form of silence going on. First, because Jesus didn't call for the press conference. They basically barged into his itinerary. They accosted him. But secondly, 
they are really not interested in who Jesus is. They're just interested in what he can do for them. And friends, it's an essentially utilitarian relationship. It is saying, let us do something for you so that you can do something for us. And when Jesus rejects that, like, you guys, you can't do anything for me. You can't work for this bread. They say, okay, Jesus, what can, we, what can you then do for us as well? And in fact, they do this by cloaking it in very spiritual terms because in, verse, in, in, in verses 30 to 31, they talk about the miracle that Moses did in the wilderness where he gave bread through God. He gave bread to the people of Israel. And he said, can you do something like that? And Jesus says to them that the point of the miracle in the wilderness, the multiplication of the manna, which you can read more about in Exodus 16 verse 4 and in Numbers, is that that manna was given to their ancestors, not merely to feed them, but to point to the fact that God truly is the one that feeds them and sustains them. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3, Moses speaking to the children of Israel just as he's about to die, says, God did this for you so that you can know that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, what you really need, what actually sustains you, what actually keeps you going is not the bread in your stomach. It is the bread that God actually gives from his mouth, his words. I know, friends, we can look at these people and say, shake our heads at them like, don't you guys understand? Jesus is the living bread. Just, just feed on Jesus. Feed on Christ. Except that in our own daily lives, in, in the regular things we do, we are also often in search of substitute bread. Of course, we don't, look, we don't go around looking for who will give us a year's supply of Babcock bread, if you are into feed farm, wheat bread, or oven fresh, or whatever other brand you look. No, we are not that crass, but we are often looking for other things that can satisfy us as well. And in our Christian minds, we are using God to get these things, or we come to God for these things. And so maybe for some of us, your substitute bread, what you're looking for satisfaction in, what you're looking for sustenance in, is a relationship. Maybe marriage, maybe a friendship. And you're constantly, because this thing matters a whole lot to you, you're constantly just bending the rules a little, doing the things that you shouldn't do, being in the places that you shouldn't be, sending the texts and the pictures that you, that you shouldn't t- send just because you want to do everything to keep this relationship because it matters the most to you. Or maybe your substitute bread is your work. And you want the acclaim of the industry and your clientele, and so you are constantly doing everything that you can so that people can see you as this hard-working employee or hard-working, ruthless CEO who gets all their targets achieved and all their goals met. And so you're not resting. You're constantly working. And you've bought into the myth of the effective employee in Lagos that says, when an email is sent to you at 4 a.m., you have to respond so that people can see you, they can can acknowledge you. Jesus says, we are all looking for substitute bread, friends. 
And, and can I just say, these things are good in their proper place because as we see, as we see in verses 1 to 14, God actually gives these things to his children. He blesses his children with these things, with relationship, with work, with money, with all of these things. But they are ultimately not meant to give us satisfaction. They're meant to point to the only one that can actually give us satisfaction. But if you notice the thing about substitute bread, which we see in the opening verses, in verses 30, 30, 25 to 31, is that they cannot satisfy us completely. These people were fed in verses 1 to 14, and they actually drive or get in their boats and ride all the way to the other side just to meet Jesus so that he can give them more bread. And Jesus is saying to us, like, guys, these things cannot satisfy. No matter how filled your tank is today with these things, your tank will hit empty again. It will run down and you need something that can actually sustain you and bear you up and hold you as you go through life. You see, substitute bread always keeps us working for them, always keeps us seeking them always keeps us looking for them. I know just like these people who are looking for substitute bread, we find that we have to always service our substitute bread. We have to sleep with that person again so that you can secure that relationship. The acclaim you had last year and the recognition that you were given last year at your work or in your industry wasn't enough, it's not enough, so you have to do something again this year to surpass that standard. Or you have to spend more money so that people can see you and receive you into their social circles. Or it's not enough that you've lost this amount of weight. You actually have to keep this, losing this amount of weight or keep being seen as a fit fan person so that people can think of you a certain way. You see, you have to always keep working for this substitute bread. And Jesus says they will not satisfy us. They will not fill us. And that's how many of us relate to God. In like in verse 28, where these people are saying, okay, you, you, you really, we can't work for you, that's fine, all right. But what can you do for us? And we come to God like that, like, God, what can you do for me? It's almost like a transaction, like, God, if I give you this amount, how much will you give me back? Or maybe you're a parent. Maybe you're even a Christian parent. And you've bought into this idea that if you raise your children to be honest and God-fearing and city kids attending, which is a good thing, they should go for city kids. But you've bought into this idea by, by doing those things, God is bound to give them good jobs and a good life and to give you peace of mind. And that's where you're ultimately looking for your satisfaction. Those children and their achievements have become substitute bread to you. And we're all working for this substitute bread. And we're saying, God, what must we do? Jesus, what is the formula? Jesus, what is the right amount of prayers? Jesus, how much should I give? Jesus, how much do I need to work for this substitute bread? <laughs> so we're crying out to Jesus. What is the formula? But some of you are watching or listening right now on Mixline. You're saying, Emmanuel, that is it. That is exactly why I am not a Christian. Because all this... You know, I believe in God for something. It doesn't make any sense. I just work hard. I, I, I have my principles and I, and I live by them. 
<laughs> well, the funny thing is what Jesus shows us, what the Bible shows us is that all of us are actually in pursuit of some kind of, of, of substitute bread, whether you believe in God or not. And so maybe you're not a Christian, but are you looking to your good words, good works to actually give you the satisfaction that you're pursuing? Are you looking for the kind of things you can create with your hands as you work in that tech industry, the kind of ideas that you can bring, the kind of solutions that you actually bring to your clients, and those are the things that you're looking for satisfaction in? Or maybe it's your giving and your generosity. The fact that you're a very generous person, you're concerned about social issues, you're concerned about injustices, you demonstrate, you march, which are all good things. But what Jesus is showing us here is that those things cannot suffice. Those things cannot satisfy us. Because what happens when you lose your job? What happens when an accident happens and you cannot work the way you used to work? What happens when people no longer are on board with the kind of issues that you're supporting and everybody has turned against you? What happens when the bread you are looking for can no longer satisfy you? And Jesus says, you're all looking for substitute bread, but there's only one kind of bread that can fill you. And friends, again, let me just stress, I'm not saying that these things are bad things. God gives them to us, but by looking for satisfaction in them, we're neglecting him. Jesus says, substitute bread will not satisfy us. We have to look for something that can satisfy us much more deeply. And so I move to the second point. Living bread presented. Living bread presented. And so by now, this press conference has broken down. Like, it's not, it's not going well. Like, is the version of asking someone a question. I, I heard someone say this on um, TV recently. Somebody was interviewing them, and then they said, can't you think? Like, imagine that kind of response. You are interviewing someone and the person you are asking questions replies to you. Can't you think about what you are saying? And it's almost that the kind of silence that you are imagining now, that's what's happening in this press conference. These people have used different methods to get Jesus to ask him to do the same miracles, but they're not getting the response they expected. They're not seeing him snap his fingers. They're not seeing him asking them to go somewhere and do something. Jesus is just... He's not cooperating. And so rather than give them the bread that they're expecting, Jesus is telling them about another bread, the bread from heaven. And they are visibly frustrated because we see in verse 34, we are told that they just gush out. Give us this bread always. Oga, give us this bread. Okay, say that what you want us to say, Abby. Give us this bread. But Jesus responds in verse 35. He says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And Jesus hits the nail on, on its head and presents himself as a living bread. And he says, this living bread is not a loaf to be eaten. It is a person to come to. This living bread is not a thing to be desired or aspired towards, but rather it is a person to be loved. And friends, the wonder of wonder is that this living bread will always, 
always satisfy. Look at the second half of verse 35. It says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And Jesus is saying in effect here, I am not just a bakery that produces bread. I am the bread of life. I am the very bread that you truly need. But how do these people react? Verse 41, we are told that they grumble. They complain over Jesus' words. And let that just sink in for a minute. Jesus is there offering them bread, offering them true bread, and they are denouncing Christ. They are complaining against Christ. This is outrageous. This is the equivalent of somebody driving a truck straight from Ikogosi Warm Springs to your house and saying, this is a year's supply of fresh water that you need. I say, no, thank you. I'd rather have this muddy glass of lecky water and drink. That is what is happening here. And Jesus is saying, guys, come to me, come to me. But they're saying, no, we won't. We don't want it. They are grumbling. And friends, isn't that what we do as well? Jesus, the true and living bread, offers himself to us. But rather than come to him, we go for a substitute that can only satisfy for a short moment. That can only give us a little reprieve, but never completely satisfy our longings. But Jesus, friends, doesn't give up on these people. And can I tell you the good news? Jesus doesn't give up on us as well. If you're listening to me right now, watching in your living room or in your bed, wherever you are, Jesus does not give up on you right now. He's still calling and crying out to you. Come to me. I am the living bread that you need. In verse 43, Jesus gently responds. He says, stop grumbling. Stop grumbling. And he says that to you this morning, stop your complaints, stop your protests, stop your objections, stop working for substitute bread. And he invites us this morning to come to him. Leave your tin of bread and, and sardines and come to me, the living bread of life. But you see, Jesus doesn't just tell us to come to him. He actually tells us, he gives to us what our substitute bread cannot in verse 44, he says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. And you see, by saying that, Jesus actually hits the nail on the head. He shows us why we are actually pursuing these other substitute bread that we're looking for. We usually do it for two reasons. One, we want something that lasts. And so we, we look for that relationship, we look for that person, we look for that acclaim because we want something that lasts, we want something that will actually stand the test of time, we want a love that stands the test of time, we want a recognition that stands the test of time, we want the acclaim that actually stands the test of time, that is here it's permanent, it doesn't change as things change. So we want something that lasts, but secondly we also want unconditional acceptance. Because we know deep down in our hearts, if this person sees me for who I truly am, if this person sees me that sometimes I'm, I'm broken and frail, they won't really love me. And so we want unconditional acceptance. And we're doing all these things, looking for all these substitute bread so that we can be unconditionally accepted. But Jesus shows us that those things are only found in him. 
And what we see here, look at verse 44. It says, the Father draws them and I will raise them up on the last day. And we see that our triune God, as we've been learning this week, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, working together eternally in harmony, are committed to us both now and in the future. It is a love that, 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 that is committed to us and is not based on anything that we can achieve or anything that we can do in and of ourselves, you see. And so all the things that we are looking for, they advertise it on their CV, but they don't deliver it. Only Jesus can deliver it. Look at the unconditional acceptance that we are promised. In verse 50, he says, anyone... Anyone may eat and not die. And this is a promise that you don't have to be qualified. You don't have to do something to earn it. You don't have to do something to merit it. Your very disqualification is what qualifies you to be given this very true bread. And Jesus gives us what we're looking for in this substitute bread. An eternal commitment. An unconditional acceptance. And he says, come to me because I'm the only one that can give you those things. But you see, some of us, we are still thinking right now that, okay, do I have to do something? What do I need to do? Do I have to clean myself? Do I need to stop looking at these things? Do I need to stop doing all of these bad things so that I, so that I can come to Jesus? But what Jesus shows us very gladly, friends, is that we cannot do anything to marry this bread. We cannot do anything to earn this bread. Because in verse 44 and in verse 28, he tells us, all, verse 29 says, the work of, of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. We cannot contribute anything to this offer of true bread. All we have to do is to believe. And all you have to do, friends, this morning is to believe. Because this bread can only be given by the Father. This bread can only be given to us. We cannot bake it. We can't put the components together. We cannot achieve it somewhere by doing something more strenuously. We only believe. We only receive it because the Father and the Son and the Spirit are working eternally to accomplish it. But Jesus doesn't just leave this airy-fairy something that you're just hanging up there. Oh, eat the bread of life. This, this bread is just great bread. No, in verse 51, he says, This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And you see, what this I am saying, Jesus is saying ultimately is that, guys, I am the true bread. I am the one who satisfies. And I will do this by spilling my blood on Calvary's cross for you, for your sins, for those who look for substitute bread, for those who desire things that can only be achieved and accomplished in Christ. I will give my life for you so that you can have this true and living bread. And Jesus does this on the cross. He does this by taking all the punishment of our sin, of our guilt, of our rejection of him, of our working for substitute bread on himself. And he takes it on and he dies in our stead so that we can actually receive this true and living bread. And you know, friends, that's one of the things that we celebrate in communion. When we come to the Lord's table together, we come to be reminded that no, 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 it is only in Christ that I find satisfaction. It is only Christ that gives me all that I'm looking for in of this substitute bread. It is only Christ that is the living and the true bread. So friends, how will you respond this morning? 
How will you respond to this offer of living bread? How will you respond to this offer of true bread? We actually see two responses in this passage. In fact, if you keep reading on amongst themselves, in verse 52 and in verse 60, we are told that many people actually leave Jesus. If this were Twitter, Jesus falling will have just dropped from like 1,000 and whatever to 12. Bam. Like everybody has deserted Christ. And some of you know that actually that the book of John, unlike the other Gospels, doesn't actually tell us about the Lord's table or the past or, or the, the, what we call the communion or the Lord's table um, like the other Gospels do. And I think it's because John has spent time in this lengthy passage in chapter 6 to tell us how Jesus is the true and living bread. But John does something very skillful, like the skillful writer inspired by the Holy Spirit that he is. In chapter 13, John brings this bread thing back. And we see this time Jesus is gathered in the upper room just as he's about to give his life for his disciples, for us as well. And Jesus says, there is someone here who is going to betray me. And his disciples ask, who is this person? And Jesus says, it is the person I give this bread to. And Judas asks, is it me? And Jesus says, what you're about to do, do quickly. And Judas takes this bread and he eats it and leaves and he goes and receives money from the Pharisees to betray Christ. And some of us, I pray not, some of us are responding this way. Are you responding like Judas, where the bread, even after you've heard the words of life from this true and living bread, you're still looking for the bread of material things to satisfy. You're still looking for the bread of relationships to satisfy. You're still looking for the bread of your accomplishment to satisfy you. But you see, there's another kind of response, and that's what I'm urging you and praying that you do this month. There's another kind of response, which we see in verses 67 to 68. And when Jesus' Twitter following has dropped from 1,000 and whatever to 12, actually more like 5,000 plus to 12, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, everyone has deserted me. Are you also going to desert me? And they say no. Verse 68 and 69 says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You are the true and living bread. Nothing else can satisfy. And friends, can I urge you this morning not to respond like Judas, not to go on feasting, on substitute bread that cannot satisfy you, but to turn to Christ the living bread this morning, who alone can fulfill your deepest longings to satisfy you. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church, love Jesus, Love people, love Lagos.